So I went to college. This doesn't seem like very far distance, but I went to college like nine hours away from home. Now, some of you have kind of already had conversations about where you want to go to school. Interestingly enough, the last time, and we're not going to ask you where you want to go to school, but last time we talked about it, several of you talked about wanting to go to school out of state. Um, even some of you, I remember talking about going to California, New York, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, that's great, right? Some of you want to go to school in state. Some of you want to go to school somewhere because you like their college football team or because your parents went there and they had such a good experience that you want to go there too. Um, I went to school at Liberty University on just the off chance because my youth pastor told me about it, said it was awesome. I checked it out for myself and I felt like the Lord was leading me there. So one of the things that's fun about college is that um, you, get a, you get out a little bit earlier than like the high school and middle schoolers, right? And then you go back a little bit later. Your breaks are usually a little bit longer. You're getting to study stuff that you actually care about for the most part. So college is really fun in a lot of ways. And one of the best parts about college is um, after you wrap up your semester finals, um, if, you know, and traditionally I went for a semester, it's not some, no, some people do it in like shorter spans and whatever, but um, Christmas break and summer break, driving home were like a party. They were so fun. Except this one year um, for Christmas break, I remember it was like a blizzard. And um, this particular um, year, this, the snow was worse than I'd ever seen it in the area. And Lynchburg isn't known for getting a lot of snow. It's still technically in the south and kind of got that, you know, old south spirit. Um, and uh, Indiana, for sure, used to getting snow. I love driving in the snow, for example. I, I talked to someone at Harvest Market yesterday. They're like, are you ready for the cold? I know none of us like the cold. And I'm like, bring it on. I want like unseasonably like cold snow. I want ice. I want to drive around in it. I just don't want to drive around in it around you because you don't know how to drive around in it. Um, like when it's July and August and I'm complaining about how humid it is and you're like, oh, get over it. We get that back and forth, right? So I drive home and I'm noticing the snow is getting heavier. And the problem is, is I'm going like up a mountain. Um, and so there's this specific place that I would always stop on the way home because there was this, um, there was this uh, like one-stop shop where I could get um, gas, uh, Burger King, Starbucks, and use the restroom all in one shot at the top of a mountain in a city called Beckley, West Virginia. It's about three, three and a half hours away from Lynchburg on the way home. It's a really good stop. And so I remember I was just so stressed. You ever, you ever been, I mean, you don't necessarily drive through, you know, blizzards and stuff like that, but have you ever seen your parents drive through like where you can't see because it's raining so hard and they're just like, Stop talking to me. Turn off the radio. Shut up. I got to focus. You know, and like your parents are legit stressed out. That was me because I was driving very slowly. There was so much snow that it was really only one lane that we could drive in. The other one had it piled up. And so we were all just kind of just slowly, like 35 miles per hour on the, on the highway. Okay, that's as fast as we could go because you might spin out or just, you know, whatever. So we're just driving and I'm like, Oh, so glad. So I go inside. I've never wanted Burger King so badly. It's not all that awesome at the end of the day, but, um, but I was like all about some Burger King. I went and got a venti something from Starbucks and I was like, oh, okay, all right, it's time to go home. So I gather all my stuff up and I go get in the car and I start driving. And um, the problem is, 
it has started snowing even more and I'm in the same speed of traffic and it's starting to get dark outside because it's super cloudy and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just still going like 30, 35 miles per hour. And then about two hours later, we'll see how many of you catch this. About two hours later, I saw the first, all the other signs had like snow blown all over them and I couldn't really see anything. I saw a sign that said, welcome to Virginia. I went the wrong way, you guys. For two hours, for 30 miles per, at 30 miles per hour, and I just need you guys to know that like how imperfect I am. I threw the biggest tantrum of my entire life in that very moment. I was punching the steering wheel, steering wheel like I was a boxer. Um, I, was, <laughs> I was angry crying. I don't know, anyone know what it's like to like angry cry? Like, and not like ugly cry, it's like so mad that tears are just shooting out of my eyes like I'm a cartoon. And I'm like, what? and I was, there's no words like, why God, why? You know, and I'm questioning God's uh, glory and everything in that moment. And I'm just like, I was so mad. I was so mad because two hours in the wrong direction is actually four hours of wasted time. You imagine what I felt when I passed, right? The Burger King and the Starbucks, all that. Like, that's such a sweet, like, oh, I finally got there. You pass it and you're just like, I sound like Joe Pesci in Home Alone, basically. Um, You know, Um, so I was just so, I was so frustrated. That trip is usually supposed to take about nine hours. It took about 15 that day. And um, partially because I made the mistake, partially because of the blizzard. And I just remember thinking, like, first of all, I'd made that trip before. It was not the first trip, first time I made that trip. I was by myself. I think sometimes, you know, and some of you in the crowd are like, hmm, was it legitimately a mistake where he couldn't see the signs? Or is he just stupid? Yeah, see, you're all, you're all thinking that. And the majority of you are just like, no, there's no question in my mind. He's pretty stupid. That was a dumb move, right? You're not stupid, Mark. So here's why I bring that up. Here's why I bring that up. I, I remember feeling so angry at myself. I remember feeling like, how stupid of a mistake. I remember thinking like, how could I do this? And I just remember feeling like, man, I just wasted like not just four hours, but four hours of just like white knuckling the steering wheel, stressed out, really just want to be home. The celebration of Christmas break was already like, I don't even care. Like I'm thinking about just going back to college and just sitting in frustration in my dorm room because I'm so mad. But had I known that I was making a mistake in the moment, you ever have those moments where like you're about to make a mistake and someone says, hey, it's that way. And you're like, whoa. And then you have that realization. You're like, I almost made a major mistake there. What would have happened? Um, have you ever seen a, a moment? I saw, I saw a TikTok the other day. This is no joke. Um, there was a guy running um, some sort of saw. I don't know what it's called because I'm not a real man. Um, but he was essentially putting this two by four through the saw. And I'm watching. And I know all you handy guys out there like, well, it works like this and it works like this. You just use safeguards and all. This guy was putting his, like the saw is like, and his hand is here. Let me give you a few, and his hand, I'm like, you know, you ever watch TikTok and you see at the little bottom, it's like, 
these actions may result in serious injury or death. And you're like, every time I see one of those, I'm like, I'm watching the whole thing because I want to see what happens. And so I watch it. And what happens is, is the wood slips and his hand goes all the way to the blade. And then the blade has this kind of like auto shut off. I'm looking at Chris because I'm like, you, you know. And it goes, you know, and it kind of stops because it knows you're going to like turn into a tech teacher where you lose two, 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 two uh, fingers. And so he like, he goes, oh. and then he, he like, he's shaking like this. And then he puts his finger in front of the camera and it's just like a paper cut. It was, it could have ripped his whole hand off. He was so close. And you ever have one of those moments where you're just like, I had, I was so close to like danger, right? And sometimes it's just like, dumb luck or the safeguard that the manufacturers of the saw made. Or sometimes you do make the mistake like I did and you go the wrong way for two hours. Now, did at the end of the day, four hours of driving and stress, like I could have gotten in a wreck or whatever, but I'm safe. I'm here. Everything was good. I enjoyed my Christmas break and everything was fine. But then there's times where you're like, I wish I could have a rewind button and go back and make a better decision. Or maybe even more, there's times where you're thinking, I wish I would have known that because I would have made a different decision. So today, what we're going to be talking about is continuing this series. We started this series called Real Talk last week, and we are talking, quite frankly, about what the Bible says about sex. And so what we said last week, we kind of ended it up with this statement, you have to decide if you want to put trust in this book or not. Now, I'm not going to assume that just every human being in this room has said, oh yeah, the Bible, that is like my authority. But a lot of you have made that decision. You might know that our church teaches that this book is really the only holy book we have on the planet. And it was inspired, um, God breathed. Um, these words are, are, are actually specifically powerful. What's not powerful is when I, I, I like, you know, describe what's happening. There's no Holy Spirit power in that. But when you read these words, there's power. That's what we believe. And so when it comes to this conversation about relationships, sex, and everything that it has to do with that, you have to decide kind of where you're pulling your ideas on what's true from. You know, there's essentially, you're building your beliefs. Every, here's what's true of everyone in here. I may not know you. We may not have ever met, but here's what I do know. In some form, everyone in here has kind of staked their life on some things that they believe are true. You may not agree with everyone in the room. You may not agree with me on everything. And that's fine. And I said last week, and I'll say it again, like, you are welcome here. So glad you're here. I hope that you feel like, like family here, okay? But I also want to be able to say, like, there's some things that what we, when we read this book, we learn that God has something to say about these things. Last week we said, Genesis 1 starts, right? The earth is formless and void, and God gets in the mix and starts creating. Six days of creation, one day of rest, and like in the mix there, he creates Adam and Eve, and he gives them a mandate. We didn't even talk about the fruit or the serpent or anything. We're talking about Garden of Eden, the way he created it, the way we were meant to be. And he says, you're made in God's image, and the man shall leave his father and mother, which in this case, you know, these, 
He's the only one who doesn't have those because um, he was created by God. So you've got to give him a break, right? And cleave to his wife or, or glue to his wife or be one with his wife. Be one flesh is, is Genesis 1 and 2. And then Genesis 2 is the actual, the very first command is be fruitful and multiply. That's the first command that God gives Adam and Eve. He's going to give the garden for them to have dominion over. They have dominion over everything. They cultivate the land. And they, that Adam named the animals and all of that. And we, we've heard all that story. And it seems very Sunday school. But it's interesting, like you learn it all in Sunday school and like in the little preschool, like, like lessons. And then it comes to like you're a teenager and you're faced with this decision like, well, the, the world is telling me this is true about sex, but it doesn't agree with what the church is saying. And one of the things, man, I want to remind you of before we go any further. Again, if we haven't met, I need you to have this context. My name is Mark. Nice to meet you. <laughs> I didn't walk on this stage and decide to say, I'm going to tell some students what they need to believe about A, B, and C. I can't make you believe anything, right? And you're like, I know. And I know sometimes you feel like you are being made to feel that you're only allowed to believe one thing. Now, here's what I'm saying, okay? Listen to me closely. You are allowed to choose. You do have to choose. At the end of the day, it's up to you to choose what you believe about everything in this world, what you believe about God, if there even is a God, how we got here. I happen to be on the camp that's like, even like out, before the Bible was a thing, I'm like, it seems like all of this is pretty well like designed. And so for me, just, just simple mark, there seems to be some sort of designer and there seems to be purpose in all of it. And some people believe there's not a designer. And you know what? You're welcome here if you're on that team. But the Bible is going to point us to a picture of a God who creates us. And what we said last week was, he creates everything in Genesis 1, and marriage is like the first major part of that, right? He doesn't, he doesn't spend much time talking about like duckbill platypuses, right? He's like the cows, the cow, those guys... They're special. Keep your eyes on them. They're cows. Like, cows are great. How else would we have brisket? How else would we have a milk competition? Right? Gosh, I just, so, just, I'm like, I'm not worthy. Those of you who did that, because I couldn't do that. But it was Adam and Eve. It was humanity. It was like his special creation. And he said, you're supposed to leave your father and mother. You're supposed to leave your father and mother, husband, and wife come together, they become one flesh. And that was like the original plan. God had a plan, and you see it walked out all through the New Testament. If you want to learn more about that, we talked about that last week, or you can check it out on YouTube or our podcast. Today I want to talk about five safeguards for you as you're thinking about, okay, so like let's say, let's just say that you're saying, okay, Mark, I believe you. And I, more than I believe you, Mark, I believe what the Bible says about all of this. And marriage seems to be God's plan. One man and one woman in the context of marriage for, for a lifetime. That seems to be God's plan. Okay, let's say you agree with that. And let's say that you agree with the statement, if marriage is as important as the Bible seems to show us, then a lot of what we do, especially when it comes down to dating, has to think about marriage all the way up. Now, say you don't agree with me. 
say it's like, I can do whatever I want. And sure, I might get marriage. I, I might get married, but uh, I can kinda, I'm going to live my teenage years out. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm for sure not going to miss my college party years because like, I don't want to miss that. Okay, that's fine. Take that to its logical end. Is it possible that maybe something you do in your dating years might damage your marriage later on? Can we put the bottle away, please? It's a little distracting. Thank you. Is it possible something we do now could show up later? Is it possible that maybe when you make a mistake, it shows up the next day in your life? Are there consequences to our actions? The answer obviously, obviously is yes. Again, I'm not trying to tell you what to believe. I'm just trying to help you think about something that I think every teenager needs to think about so that you don't just go the way of the culture and you experience unnecessary pain down the road. So I've put together five different safeguards for you to think about, okay? The first one is I want you to know your standards. I want you to know your standards. And some of you are just like, yeah, like I've got a type. They got to be blonde and they got to be really good looking and they got to be at least this time. That's not the standards I'm talking about. And by the way, you're allowed to want to be attracted to the person that you marry. You're allowed to, be a, to want to be attracted to the person you date. That's allowed, okay? I'm not saying anything about that. I'm just saying there's more than that. There's more than that. A couple things I want you to think about. Um, and I, I wrote some notes down, and I want to make sure I cover all of it. I want you to decide now, right now, not like in this, in this hour necessarily, but in this season for sure. Some of you would say, yep, never been on a date, never really done the boyfriend-girlfriend thing. Some of you would say like, yep, I've kind of had a couple relationships, haven't really gone super well, not exactly sure if I want to dabble back into those. And some of you are like, boy crazy, girl crazy, and you're like, please, somebody show me attention, <laughs> you know, and um, which you're welcome here. Um, we're all, we, Jesus, Jesus loves you. Um, so I want you to decide now what your boundaries are. And I want you to decide now what's important to you. What's your goal? What is your goal? Have you ever just sat and thought, why am I dating? <laughs> I can tell you why most people date. It's because someone showed someone else interest and it felt good and they're like, ooh, this person makes me feel good. They told me my haircut looks good. They told me I look swole today in my new shirt. They told me that I, whatever, for whatever reason, it kind of made you feel good. Or you sit next to them and you kind of been building a friendship and then it turns into something more. And all of that just kind of happens and you're just kind of like, it feels good, so I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna keep going, I'm gonna keep going. What's your goal for dating? Because there's also a lot of pain that comes from dating, especially at your age. And there just is. There just is. And so I know that one of the things that I struggled with, the high school back row over here, goodness gracious. Um, I remember, can I just tell you like the, maybe the most basic reason I want you to think about this. I remember thinking um, I dated this girl in high school because I thought it was like a good thing and it was going well. But you know what happens when you start dating someone? They become like everything you think about. And they become all-encompassing. And you're just, oh, I wake up thinking about them and I can't wait to see them. And you go to bed, you hang up. No, you hang up. Do you even talk on the phone? That's a dumb illustration. 
You don't talk on the phone. You text. You stop texting. No, you stop texting. I walked away from some amazing opportunities with my friends. I had friends. Check this out. I had friends that I walked away from to pursue a relationship that in the end was a waste of time. And so what ends up happening is we lose this time that we can't get back and we pursue that. And all in the meanwhile, these friends have kind of moved on. And there's some unnecessary pain there. Then there's also just the drama of teenage relationships. I watch y'all and I'm just like, I don't know how y'all have the energy for the drama. Some, some of y'all looking for drama, right? Some of y'all looking for a fight. And some of y'all, sweet, innocent little children, started dating someone that's full on 10 out of 10 drama. And you are not ready for that. Okay, now, so sh- sh- let me ask you, what's the, what's the goal? Now, let me take it 10 steps further. I want you to think about your standards as far as your boundaries, as far as like sexual activity. Oh, is this awkward? Is church? It's sure. We can't talk about this in church. Does God, hold, shh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just pause. This lesson might go a little bit longer. Who created sex? God. Don't talk about it in church, whatever. Here's what I'm going to say. You, let me tell you something real quick. I'm, I want to be dead serious and I want you to be quiet and I want you to hear what I'm saying, okay? So let's, let's cut the side, side conversations. I know people that made decisions as a teenager to get involved sexually and they had consequences that are forever. I know people, if you want to talk about something as basic as diseases that are transmitted, or if you want to talk about pregnancy, if you want to go really hardcore and talk about abortion, happy to talk about it. It's all, listen, I'm not, you need to understand me. I am not joking right now. And I'm not doing this just to make people laugh. I'm doing this because some of you guys, it's like, oh, this is awkward. We can't talk about this. And we, we don't want to address these things. And you'll go on and you'll make a mistake because no one ever handed you a roadmap and said, hey, you're about to go the wrong way. You're about, you're about to go the wrong way. And I'm not talking about like a college drive home. I'm talking about a path that will lead you down a future that you don't actually want. And if God created marriage and he says it's one of the most special things, right? And that we should honor the marriage bed. Then don't you think we should consider what our relationships right now are doing to our marriage in the future? Just go ahead and get really awkward for you. Mark was not always perfect. I have seen things that I can never unsee. I have been involved in relationships that inflicted pain on me. I've had choices to make decisions that would impact my future today that I didn't make. I'm saying I've made good choices. I've made bad choices. And all of that, listen, 39 years old still shows up 20 years later sometimes. 
still shows up. Images you've seen can show up. Words that were said to you can show up. The ways that you behaved can show up in your, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. You think it's that way now, understand completely, it doesn't change when you're an adult, okay? The decisions you make. This is just kind of a law of physics, and if you want to, like, debate me on this, you can, but what you do today impacts your tomorrow. Anyone want to disagree with that? No. What you do today impacts your tomorrow. What you do today in your relationship impacts your marriage. Hard stop. Now, some of you are just like, well, it's just kind of a basic relationship. That's okay. But sometimes a basic relationship becomes a not-so-basic relationship because we just kind of trip into something. And we find ourselves making life decisions at a period of our life when you should honestly not be making those crazy decisions. You should be focusing on your own health, physical, mental, spiritual, all that, self-care, learning how to take care of yourself, taking care of your grades, having good, healthy friendships, developing your relationship with God, figuring out your goals for the future. Your goals for the future all of a sudden take second, second fiddle when a relationship comes in and things change. Okay? I want you to know your standards. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, 16 to 18 is going to say it like this. Don't be immoral in matters of sex. That is a sin against your own body in a way that no other sin is. You surely know that your body is a temple where the Holy Spirit lives. The Spirit is in you and is a gift from God. You are no longer your own. God paid a great price for you, so use your body to honor God. Mark didn't decide to walk up here and say, you make those kids feel guilty about their blah, blah, blah. You need to understand, first of all, it would be much easier to never talk about this. It would be much easier for me to do that. And you need to understand, as a 39-year-old guy, I'm here to say, like, I love you so, so much, and I, I, I want you to have the best shot. I want to show you a roadmap. You're like, hey, you're about to go the wrong way. <sighs> Thank you. And not, not all of you are going to agree with me. But I want to tell you what God's word says, and you got to wrestle with that, with what you think. Some of it's practical, but some of it is spiritual, okay? Real quickly, I want to I move to the next point. Make your standards known. So I want you to know your standards. You know your standards. This is a you and God thing. This is a you in your own heart. I want you to know your standards, but I also want you to make your standards known. That's where um, when it comes down to a relationship, um, you just have to be very clear. I, I, um, I was talking with Eli about this because Eli is one step ahead of you. Eli Ruddle, 20 years old. He's one step ahead of you, maybe a couple steps in front of you. And he is in a dating relationship. And he and I had this conversation the other day. I was like, tell me about your boundaries. Tell me like what matters to you. And, and he said, I mean, like we set boundaries and we have agreed upon boundaries. And some of you are just like, well, that's awkward. Okay, so just, so just don't talk about it. And maybe it'll go well. When does, hold on, when does a lack of communication in relationships, because it's awkward, help you? When does a lack of communication in relationships benefit you? Almost, well, what if I'm telling them they're fat? Maybe you shouldn't tell anyone they're fat, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying, 
You be clear about what's important to you. By the way, that's what a relationship is. Ladies, listen to me. Like, you be clear about what matters to you when you get into a relationship. Guys, you be clear about what matters to you when you're in a relationship. You have to know. But if you don't know, what ends up happening is we kind of trip into something. We have this like, ugh. I wish I had a rewind button. I wish somebody would have handed me a, a roadmap. I, um, I have, uh, I looked at my wrong finger. I have this ring right here. This is my wedding ring, okay? My wife and I got married on July 29th, 2006, 15 and a half years ago. And um, this, though, is a, a purity ring. And this is a ring that my wife gave to me maybe about a year into our dating relationship. Did you know I still had this? You hoped I had it. So this ring was for us, for me to wear, and for us to remember, like, hey, we're dating right now. We're not even engaged. But if this trends towards marriage, which is a conversation we are already having, because we were just kind of at that age, like if this is going towards marriage, our one goal, our one goal was we just want to make sure that we stay in the center of God's will. And so I wore this day after day to remind me not just, you know, to not sin sexually, but to honor her, to honor myself, to protect each other. It actually has an inscription on it. This is so like... Is it almost a little funny to say out loud? No? No. Okay. 2 Timothy 2.22 is inscribed inside. Do you know what that verse says? Flee youthful lusts. <laughs> so you're like, that's inscribed on a ring? So lust, lust is like when you're like, I don't even know how to describe it. Do we all know where we're at here? It's like when you're like, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Like, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Okay, moving on. So, um, so in a, in a very physical way, but also in a very spiritual way, this ring was meant to be a reminder like, hey, we're walking towards marriage. This is a very holy and sacred thing. And we want to treat it with such. We want to protect each other's hearts. And we want to make sure that we are serious about this thing. And so this was a reminder and so we had a conversation very early on, like this, this matters to, to us and we're not going to make this uh, mistake. Third, I want you to choose wisely. Choose wisely. We've said in the past that wise is not the same thing as um, right. There's right and wrong and there's wise and unwise. Right and wrong, there's like, good and bad, but then wise is kind of like tricky because sometimes you're like, well, it's not illegal. And you're like, well, is it wise? And you're like, maybe. And choose wisely. Who, what do I choose wisely? I want you to choose wisely like who to date. So if you know your standards and if you make your standards known, I want you to choose when to date. Some of you, maybe you're dating, maybe it's too early. I can't tell you when to date. Here's what I can tell you. No one has ever been like, you know what? I wish I would have dated earlier when they're adults. They don't say that. Oh, I wish I would have dated. I should have just started dating earlier. Because all the adults in the room would be like, 
that was nothing but drama and heartache and it distracted me from just the basic things of what I was supposed to be focused on at the time. And I know for me to say this, like easy for you to say, I know, I know. And I don't know how to tell you, but it's heartache. And that's what it is. But also to know who to date. If someone doesn't have your same values, is it wise to date them? Oh, it's gonna be pretty messy. If someone says like, you believe what you wanna believe, I am uh, ready to be sexually active at all times. And those two start dating. That's going to be conflict. That's what that's going to be. Since this is also about marriage, think about this. Is it wise to date someone that has massively different beliefs than you? Mm -mm. Actually, the Bible talks about this. 2 Corinthians 6.14 is going to say, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. See, I'm going to give you all the judgmental verses that everyone hates, but I'm trying to give you context for it. Do not be unequally yoked. You're like, unequally yoked. That is never a word I have thought about using considering dating or boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever. Unequally yoked, that's like, a, like when a Christian and a, and a non-Christian decide to start dating. You're going to, Ooh, some of you are going to hear this for the first time. It is like unwise, not a good idea. And what ends up happening is someone says, well, I'm going to save them. <laughs> and you're not, you're not. Listen, been doing youth ministry for a super long time. It always gets said, it never happens. It always ends up in heartache. And then what ends up happening, again, we're talking about dating. Let's talk about marriage for a second. Does dating end up in marriage possibly? Yeah. Okay, so what happens when the Christian and the non-Christian become married? They have kids. What do you teach the kids? What do, you do you take them to church or do you not? I have friends living this nightmare out right now. Well, mommy says this. Well, daddy says this. Well, there's massive disagreements about what our lives should be lived like and all that. And I got to say, like, if marriage comes from Genesis 1, we have this, you got this man, you got this woman, they're supposed to become one flesh. And like all throughout the Bible, we're supposed to see this marriage thing be sacred. It was always man and woman with God. So that's why, let me give you a little hint. This is kind of fun. If you ask um, Pastor Malcolm or Pastor Ron, or me, or anyone else on staff to marry you, which, by the way, I hope to be here for long enough to, like, perform your weddings. I'm not joking. I would, that, that would be, like, my highest honor to, like, help you. I want to be here when you have kids. I don't want to, like, help you with that. I want all of that, okay? But if you're like, hey, I'm dating this guy, and he's like, he's working on becoming a Christian. Like, he, yeah, he's going to, and what I'm going to tell you is, like, it's unwise, and you're not going to see one of us decide to do your wedding. So oh, that's judgmental. That's hateful. We're taking it from Scripture. We're taking it straight from Scripture. This union between a man and a woman and God. It's unwise. It's unwise. Let me go through the fourth and fifth real quick. I want you to avoid sexual situations. Avoid situations. We've kind of talked about that. Boundaries are key. Um, I, I use this phrase with, um, 
with Eli the other day. Um, when you're with your, your boyfriend or girlfriend, if you're, um, if you're in a place where you're tempted and you're alone and there's no, um, there's no accountability, like that's where you're kind of in the danger zone. And if you haven't decided, you hadn't made your standards clear at that point, you're just like one mistake away from something that you can't regret. Or let me, let me take it out of sex completely. Let me bring it in the realm of alcohol. Um, is drinking alcohol a sin for you? Ha! Yes, it is. Why is it a sin? Because you're 12. Because <laughs> you're 12. You're seven, I don't care if you're 17. Because it's the law of the land. Obey the law of the land. We'll talk about that. That's a different series. That's funny. Okay. So, yes. There is... Shh. Nope. Okay. So, if you are younger than 21... It is a sin to drink alcohol because, yes, you are disobeying the law. And the Bible talks about obeying the law of the land. Now, is it a, is it a sin for me to drink? No. Is it a sin for me to get drunk? 100% it is. The Bible talks in Ephesians about don't be drunk with wine, but be controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's a verse in Ephesians, I believe, chapter 4. Why do I bring that up? If you never take your first sip of alcohol, could you ever become an alcoholic? If you never put yourself in a situation where you're tempted to have sex with a boyfriend or girlfriend, if you're always in groups, if you're always uh, making sure, if you've made your, your standards clear, if you've communicated all that, if you've got boundaries to make sure that that is happening. I remember thinking like, I didn't want to drink or do drugs as a high schooler, um, but I probably could have been convinced to on the wrong day. And one of the things that I knew because I was kind of impressionable was if I go to the parties where that stuff is happening and literally 99 other people say, come on, come do it, come on. Mark is like 50-50 gonna do it. I'm just being honest with you right now. I know I'm impressionable. I know it's like I don't wanna let people down. So what do I do? Don't go to the parties, ever. Hard stop. Date someone with different values? Nope, nope. Does that mean you're the same person? No. Does it mean you watch the same things on Netflix? No, that's not what that means. That means we're going to put God as our king, we're going to live in his will, and we're going to do our best to obey him and walk this thing out by the guidelines of Scripture. Maybe you like to eat different things at restaurants. Great, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Maybe you like to watch different sports. Fine. But when it comes to dating someone that you have massively different standards in, unwise, and I'm telling you, you're headed for a train wreck. Headed for a train wreck. Last thing, make Jesus your most important relationship. Can I tell you why? Because that's like the, oh, that's the Sunday school answer. Well, if he's king... If he created all this, again, you may be in the, in the crowd and you're like, well, I just, I'm not sure that God's real. That's fine. Like, work that out. I've been in that place before too. But I am in the place and have been in the place for 20 years that, okay, God is real. He created all this. He is king. He's Lord. He is my master, meaning I am like his servant. That's my view. Right? I'm his creation. Uh, the creation doesn't look at the creator and be like, no, let me tell you something. Like, I'm going to create my own instruction manual. So that's just kind of where I, you got to wrestle with that. You got to wrestle with that.
Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. It's just like simple Christianity 101. We seek him first. So here's the deal. I just want to wrap up real fast. Goodness gracious. I hope you come back next week because there's more I'd like to say. There's some stuff that I wasn't able to say here that I want to continue to talk about. And I, here, dude, here, can I just have you focus on me for just 60 seconds? I want you to experience God's best for your life. You're here on this planet. You're not an accident. You've been created in God's image. The Bible says that God knitted you together in your mom's womb. And a whole story of scripture is that God knows you intimately and he wants to have a relationship with you. And so you might be a skeptic and that's okay. You are always welcome back a hundred times, a thousand times. You're welcome in this place. But my heart, after spending time with students for the last like 20 years of my life, is I, I know, I know that some of you will throw the middle finger to this whole lesson, your call, and you'll walk out, and later down the road, you'll say, I wish I, wish I had a map. I wish I had a map. I'm having a conversation with someone in the next week who is literally still kind of throwing the middle finger to this lesson. I can't change his mind. I can't change your mind. But here's what I can tell you. I want you to know how much God loves you, that he created you for a purpose, and that if you'll walk in his guidelines, there's just like, there's, there's joy. There's joy in that, okay? There's joy in that. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray over every single student in this room. Maybe the ones who don't believe in you yet. That they would encounter you in such a powerful way. That it's absolutely undeniable. I pray for every student in this room as much as this is just kind of one part of our life, but maybe that we would submit this one part of our life to you because maybe, just maybe, this could benefit my marriage in the future. Not thinking about marriage yet, but if marriage is this thing that might last 20, 30, 40, 50 years, it seems to be pretty important. Lord, I pray that they would know now what boundaries they need to set what standards they need to hold on to to make sure that they have strength moving forward. And I pray that they always know when they run up against some sort of issue in life that they can still come back and ask questions, get prayed for, get counsel, everything they need. Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen.